Good morning, church family. How is everyone this morning? It's great to see you this morning, and it's great to be here. And um, looking forward to this since June. I've been looking forward to this since June. Uh, I want you all to keep um, my family in your prayers. Everyone's got things going on. We have had a crazy weekend. And right now, I've got about 30 college students um, my wife and I do a college ministry, and we've got about 30 college kids right now that are going off to school this next week, and we've been doing a weekend with them at the same time as we're doing this here this morning, so there's a lot of things going on, and they are serving families in North Georgia right now with food and with the message of the gospel, and so um, I just pray that through the use of food that someone may be open to knowing who Jesus Christ is in their life. You meet a need, and then hopefully you meet the greatest need of all that empowers them to live the rest of their life. And so anyway, um, drove down here this morning from North Atlanta. It was about a three-hour drive, and um, it was sunny where I came from, and it got cloudy when I got It's usually the opposite. It's usually sunny here, but it was kind of cloudy. But um, I'm just so glad to be here with you guys, and thank you all for being here. Keith is celebrating his 40th wedding anniversary, 40 years and that's incredible. That's incredible. 40 years. So um, it's great that, that he and Donna can get away and, and spend some time together celebrating 40 years. And um, that's just cool. That's just great. So if, um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to get cranked up here this morning. If you have your Bibles um, and you have some outlines that are there that you found in your bulletin, I ask you to take those out and um, open up your Bibles to the book of Matthew. And we're going to ask the question... How do you get in? Just how do you get in? And in so doing that, let's pray together and we'll get going, all right? Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time together. I thank you, God, um, for who you are, and I thank you, God, for who you are in our lives here this morning. And I pray that as we, right now, as you've inhabited the praise of some great music this morning, of just feeling your spirit here this morning and feeling your presence as you have inhabited the praise of your people this morning. Um, I pray, Father, that we just not think about what we may have brought to this room this morning, but instead we keep our eyes focused on you so that, so that the things of this world would grow strangely dim in the light of who you are, of your glory and your grace. I pray that what I say at this time, what, we, what we're doing here this morning, it's all pleasing to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Um, what I'd like to do is I'd like to begin by um, reading this scripture to you. Matthew 18. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 18. We're going to look at the first 10 verses here this morning. And I, I have been looking at this for the last two or three weeks, this, these, last, these first 10 verses. And I want to share with you this morning how they've impacted my own life. And from doing that, I hope that they impact your life. If you know these verses by heart, my prayer is that they impact your life differently than you've ever seen them before. If you don't know these scriptures, I hope that they'll impact you for the first time in a big way. Matthew chapter 18, I'm reading from the New American Standard Version. It goes like this. And at that time, the disciples came to Jesus, and they were saying to him, who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a child to him, Jesus did, and he set that child before them, 
And he said, truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Then he gets serious here. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it's better for him that a heavy millstone be hung around his neck and that he be drowned in the depth of the sea. That is some deep stuff. Woe to the world, he says, because of its stumbling blocks. For it's inevitable that stumbling blocks come. It's inevitable that stumbling blocks come. But woe to that person through whom the stumbling block comes. And if a hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. It's better for you to enter life crippled or lame than having two hands or two feet to be cast into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out and throw it from you. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into the fiery hell. Whoa. Deep stuff. Last verse. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that their angels in heaven continually behold the face of my Father who is in heaven. Wow. This is some crazy stuff. Isn't it amazing? I planned on talking about this this morning, and I came across this USA Today article this morning, um, not this morning, this past week. They're doing a series in the paper about who is the GOAT. Now, if you're a guy, and you probably know what GOAT is in regarding to sports. Who's the GOAT? Who's the greatest of all time? And they're starting it out this week with a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned. Who's better, Tiger Woods or Jack Nicklaus? And um, who's a Jack Nicklaus guy? All right, two of us, both of us, I mean three of us. Who's a Tiger Woods guy is the best guy in the whole world in golf? Okay, two of us again. All right, so who doesn't really care? Okay, you know, okay, all right, that's good. Well, here's the reason why I'm asking this. This is why I bring this up to you. Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> Let me tell you why I'm saying this to you. Because people read this. People go, oh, my gosh, I'd like to know. And people do have an opinion about who's the greatest of all time. Who is the greatest of all time? So much so that that's a question the disciples asked. And if you look at this passage right here, it's really interesting. Because the first verse says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and they said to him, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who then, Jesus? In other words, this is something they were talking about. This isn't something they just said, Hey, let's get around, let's just talk about heaven, Jesus. Who's going to be the greatest? No, it's apparently something that they were talking about. It's something that they were trying to figure out. They were trying to figure out who was going to be the goat when the rubber, when the, um, rubber met the road there on the tires. Who is going to be the greatest? And yet Jesus looks at him. It's obvious this is a very revealing question about the disciples. It really is. Now think about this. I'm sitting here as a guy who's followed Christ since I was in seventh grade and done the best I can. And I've got my shortcomings and I've got things I've done real well in. As all of us can sit here and talk about that. Not about me, but about everybody else, about everyone. And, and, and yet I'm thanking the Lord Jesus Christ that I'm going to hopefully get to the kingdom of heaven by the blood of Jesus. And yet these disciples are going one step forward, pull on the trump card. Who's going to be the greatest? Not if I'm going to get in or not. Who's going to be the greatest? That's pretty pompous, don't you think? It is to me. But then when you think about what's been going on in their lives, you start to understand maybe why they might have been thinking this. 
Because Peter had just walked on the water with Jesus. Peter had just named Jesus. In June, we talked about how he proclaimed Jesus as the Messiah. And then Jesus looks at him and says, you're going to build the church one day on that phrase. You know, they'd fed 5,000 together. And right before this passage, they'd actually pulled some money out of a fish's mouth to pay the taxes. So they were pretty riding high. You couple that with the fact that the the Jewish author Matthew, who writes this gospel, writes about the kingdom of heaven. They've been hearing Jesus talk to them about this kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is you. The kingdom of heaven is where we are as a body of Christ. Wherever we go, the kingdom of heaven goes with us. So the disciples have been hearing all of this with Jesus. So they probably got a little haughty. They probably got a little full of themselves to go the next step. So they're talking about it with each other, and they go, Jesus probably walks up to them, and they say, and they say um, hey, Jesus, who then, who then is going to be the greatest? You know? Oh, don't forget the transfiguration. They were just up there, too, and Almighty God had spoken to them up there, so much so that Peter didn't want to leave. I mean, Peter didn't want to even leave from the mountain, you know? And so here they are, pretty pompous as far as I'm concerned. We get full of ourselves sometimes, don't we? Don't we sometimes get to the point where we start thinking we're somebody? I can tell you I get that way sometimes, and I'm thankful my wife puts me back in line pretty quick. She never gets full of herself. No, no. We do, don't we? We do, don't we? Um, we went on vacation this past summer. Um, took a, we went to um, Moab, Utah. Colorado Springs, you're going, wow, man, you get to go out there. We had family at every place. We stayed. We, we flew out there, and then we stayed with family. We've got Air Force family. They're all over the place, from Las Vegas all the way to Colorado Springs. So we just stayed with friends all the way through it. It was great. Well, we were staying at um, Uncle Dave's house, who lives in um, St. George, Utah. And we're there, and my daughter, Abby, who likes TikTok. You all know apps with your kids. TikTok is a music app, 15 seconds. You can pantomime it. You can dance to it, lip sync it, whatever you want to do. So Abby's doing that. She has like 100 followers, and all these kids want to have followers. And Abby, I've tried to teach them not to be that way, and she really wasn't that way until we found out in Uncle Dave's house that the actual house he lives in was in the subdivision where they actually filmed High School Musical 2. I walked in the house, and Sarah said, you know, this place looks a lot like that movie, that, that movie we saw as a little kid, High School Musical 2. I said, well, why don't you Google it? Why don't you Google it? Google it. Google it. She goes, and about three minutes later, she comes, Dad, 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 this was it. This was the place. We told Abby. She starts crying. We're going to talk about kids today. <laughs> okay, so, we, so Uncle Dave takes us to the clubhouse, and she makes a TikTok on the clubhouse, and this was the place where they filmed that. She went from 100 followers to over 15,000 followers on TikTok, and that is TikTok stardom. No lie, she's had over a she had over one million views of that video, and over 250,000 likes, likes, liking it. You know what I'm saying? And I told her, I said, don't get full of yourself now. And you could see as those numbers slowly got higher and higher. She'd come in, 1,000 more followers today, Dad. You know? <laughs> Next day, Dad, you ain't going to believe this. I had 1,500 followers from the time we went from Moab, Utah, from St. George, Utah, all the way over to Las Vegas to the Hoover Dam. I had 1,500 more people um, join my group and become followers of me. 
you know? And she said, she said, it's tough being a TikTok star. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and Lord helped my family when she actually got two bucks from that account. She made $2 from that account. She thinks she's rich. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, you got a lot to learn. You know what I'm saying? But we get full of ourselves sometimes, don't we? She knows I'm talking about her, by the way. She, hey, she, we get full of ourselves, don't we? And she goes, she walk in now and go, I'm not that way, Dad. I'm not that way. But she's got the look. You know what I'm saying? Like the look. We get that way, don't we? And I think the disciples were at that point. So Jesus throws a doppelganger right on them, okay? That's an English term. I'm watching Downton Abbey with Abby right with my, my wife Kelly right now, and that's, that's a doppelganger. That's some British term. So he throws this thing on him, and he says, hey, he says, let's look at what he says. After, he, after, he, um, after the disciples get real pompous, the, D- Jesus puts them in his place, and he says, truly I say to you, unless you're converted and become like children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. He doesn't even go to the greatest part yet. He just gets into the kingdom. And then he says this, whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. All right? That's the first thing I want you to write on that outline. Here's what it is. Are you ready? Change and become a child. Now you're going, Pastor, this is, this is really childish this morning, and it really is. Because you see, what he doesn't say is, you have to act like a child. How many of us have been told, man, you're acting like a child? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, me too, brother, me too. And, and I just look at him and say, I'm trying to do what Jesus told me to do, man. You know, that really hushes him up when I say that. But it's not, but it's not true. Because Jesus didn't say to act like a child. Jesus said to change, convert, and become a child in the way a child is from the inside. You know, what's interesting when you think about children, I've got four of them. I've got Sarah, who is 17, all right? She's ready to leave. I've got Abby, who's 15, the TikTok star. I've got Eli, who is 11, okay, who wants to show me his one-pack all the time. He goes, Dad, if I got a six-pack, buddy, you got a one-pack. You ain't got no six-pack. You know, that's a guy term. That's muscles, you know, that sort of thing. And I got little Noah who just goes with the flow. We call, him, we call him Teflon Noah. Nothing sticks to him. He just, I mean, Noah Nato, because he tears up everything in the house. He's nine years old, okay? So I have four kids. And one of the things I've learned about these kids is that kids, what I've learned from my kids is that they're prone to wander. You know, they, they wonder about things. Their imagination's incredible, you know? We don't wonder about things as an adult, do we? All we do is Google it. You know what I'm saying? If we got any questions, we just go to Google. I mean, we don't really wonder like a child wonders, you know? Children forgive and they forget, okay? We have struggles with just the forgiveness part, don't we? You know? Much less the forgetting part. Kids, kids are so innocent. They, they learn things for the first time. And I think a lot of times as an adult, I can speak from personal experience, you spend a lot of your adult life trying to unlearn things, don't we? Especially when it comes to with Jesus and our walk with him, you know, how we learn things as we grow up and then we have to unlearn. Kids also, they, they have these imaginations that are, that are just incredible. I, um, Noah showed me this a couple of weeks ago. He was, he's in his Lego phase. He's my nine-year-old, and he just brought this to me. Hold on a second. 
He just brought me this one morning and said, Dad, what do you think of this? And we have a box of 43 million Legos in it from the years of all the stuff they build and they destroy, like the Death Star and the, all the little things you can build now. Then they destroy them and put them in a box after they built them. So this is from about seven or eight different projects that, that he just picked up all the Legos and built this. And, and he shows it to me, and he says, Dad, this will go faster than any ship in the universe. And, and he said, it's got an engine up underneath here, and it's not even there. You know what I'm saying? And, and as an adult, I'm going, son, that, that won't fly. You know, and Batman's going to suffocate. His Batman's right here. You know what I'm saying? But, but I don't tell him that. You know what I'm saying? I don't tell him that because, because that's, that's what a child is. And I think that what Jesus is trying to say to us is, I think we need to wonder more. I think we need to forgive and forget more. I think that maybe, you know, we need to be a child more, you know, and, and um, just wonder a little bit and just forgive a little bit and just, just continue to unlearn because we've got to keep doing that, you know. But there are three words in particular that I want to mention to you this morning about a child. The first one is this. A child has humility to them that Jesus mentions here. And if you've had kids or if you have been in charge of kids or all of us are parents in different ways, the humility I think Jesus mentions here is one that that is not from an adult level, but it's from a child level. And here's what I mean by that. You know, we humble ourselves in the side of the humble ourselves in the side of the, you know, where we're humble. We have humility about us. With a child, a child is very unassuming about things. You know, children don't assume things. Children just kind of go with the flow a lot of times. And I think what Jesus is trying to say to us in this passage is that we can't assume anything with God. And I think sometimes we get in the habit of doing that. We assume how God's going to do something, or we assume the plan or the picture, or we, we get a diagnosis of something that's very serious, and we assume from what hu humanly we know about it. Or we're in a relationship, and, and things aren't going the best, and we, we assume that this relationship is, is because because we like to look at the facts. We like to know facts, you know. But we walk and we live with a God who does not want us to assume anything about him that's outside his written word, you know. We can make some conclusions from the written word because that's what he's given us. But then at the very end of the day, it's, it's not assuming what's going to happen or what's going to, be, what's going to be done because we live with a God that works outside our parameters, you know? And it's the way a child is. A child doesn't assume anything, you know? That's why, God, that's why Jesus wanted to protect him so much. Um, the second word I would put there is the word trust. 
There's a humility, an unassumingness, and there's a trust there. A child just naturally trusts. A child just, he, he just, he or she just sits there and just trusts. There's no, um, there's no questioning. My kids have never questioned where the food was going to come from. My kids have never questioned where the clothes are going to come from, you know? And, and that's when you don't have money and when you do have money as a parent. A child just trusts that there's going to be food on the table. It may be a cracker or it may be ramen noodles or it may be Chef Boy RD. That's a home run for them, you know what I mean? Um, but, but they just simply trust you know? And I remember as my kids were growing up, I had to teach them, you know, don't be so assuming and don't be so trusting of people because you don't know. That's why that whole stranger danger thing came out for, for kids to teach them because you just have to teach them to understand and discern when they trust people. And I think that's what Jesus means for us is to trust him with our situation. And don't, don't get in the way of the trust, you see? And I think that's, that, that's because a child has that. The third word would be the word dependence. The word dependence. I, a child just depends on the parents, just naturally depends, you know? And, and at the same, in the same light, God says, if you want to know the kingdom of heaven in your life as you walk around every day, if you want to walk around in the kingdom of heaven right here and right now, you have to depend on God. Depend on him. It's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Last night we were talking about with the college kids. Those guys would not bow down to the image and the king was going to throw them in that furnace. And you know what they said back to him? They said, you can do that because our God will rescue us. But let me be clear with you, king. Even if our God doesn't rescue us and you win and we burn, better for us to burn and having depended on God no matter what than for us to bow down to something fake and a fake God. You know? And you know what happened? They put him in there, and the guards singed immediately, and then the king goes and looks in there, and he says, wait a minute, how many of those guys, Shadrach, Meshach, how many of there was three funny names, weren't they? It looks like there's four in there because God was in there. See? I think... That's what being a child is like. But it's a change, you know. We want to seek after personal ambition. We want to seek after. That's just our natural nature. And God says, no, you got to do 180 degree. It's not what you think, he's saying. It's got to be like a child, those three things, okay. you got to change and become like a child. Um, and what I do on Facebook, uh, I, I know some of you all are on Facebook. One of the things I do, and if you're friends with me on Facebook, you know this because um, – You've seen this. Hold on a second. Let me, let me pull it out here. Uh, 
I use the Facebook as a, I have a lot of friends from my hometown that love my kids and they want to hear about my kids and stuff. And so I post things. One of the things I do is post funny things my kids say. I thought it would be a cool way of diarying out, uh, like having a diary of what they say, funny things. So I want to illustrate these three things I just mentioned to you by reading a few quotes from the Heath family. All right, here we go. Eli was age five when he said this. Kelly, my wife, asked him this. Eli, if Noah jumped off the balcony, would you jump too? Eli said, nope. He'd say, he said, I'd run to the parachute room. I'd grab a parachute. I'd put it on. I'd run and jump off. I'd pull the string. I'd float down. I'd rescue Noah before he hit the ground. We don't own a parachute room. When Noah said this at age seven, he said this. This is the boy who won his last basketball game, and we're driving home, okay? And I said, buddy, you did a great job out there, Noah. And he said, you know what this is? The sweet smell of victory. He was seven years old. Here he is at age eight. He's got 103 temperature laying on the couch. Dad, you know what I could go for today for lunch? A five guys hot dog. That would be great. Five minutes later, he says, Dad, what's your favorite cheeseburger place? We start talking about that. Then he says, Dad, what's your, Mex what's your favorite Mexican food place? Hey, Dad, what's your favorite pizza place? Hey, Dad, what's your favorite chicken place? Hey, Dad, what's your favorite Chinese food place? Then about 15 minutes later, I walked in the room and he said, Guess what I want on my hot dog, Dad? Spicy fries. Yes, sir, that's going to be great. Now, you're saying, well, do you see how that illustrates the trust and the dependence? He doesn't ask one thing about, do we have money for that? Do I have to go work for that? He just says it. Here's, here's Noah, age eight. Mama, yesterday we were learning about seahorses, and the teacher asked, why do some fish live in salt water? I leaned over to Brennan and I said, because pepper makes them sneeze. <laughs> he asked me this this week. He's age nine. Dad, if the Bible says we should obey the government laws and China says in their laws that we can't help people know about God or spread the love of Jesus there, what do we do? Can you believe that? Here's the last one. Abby, age 13, on the eve of her 14th birthday. Well, today is my last day as a 14-year-old. Then she smiles on her face, puts a smile on her face. She looks at me and she says, it's been a pretty good year. All right? You see how that illustrates the points I'm making? They, they are unassuming. They trust. They depend, and it's what God wants for us. Now, here's the second thing he says. He says, you got to change, become like a child. Then he says, we've got to be stepping stones and not stumbling blocks. Okay, that's the last passage about all that stumbling block stuff. Now, 
He's being very vivid here about cutting arms off, cutting legs off, cutting eyes off, anything that holds you back, anything that could hold you back because you've used them somehow to influence kids. Now, in the day and time of the Jewish writing, what they would do when they talked about this is this could be both children and it could also be young believers, young Christ followers, people who are brand new in the faith, okay? And so Jesus is saying to these folks, in essence, if you want to be in the kingdom of heaven, if you want the kingdom of heaven to be where you are, if you want the king, if you want to be a, a shot of the goat, you're a shot at the greatest of all time in the kingdom of heaven, he says, do not be a stumbling block, but be a stepping stone, okay? Now, let, let me, let me, let me um, explain this very briefly. I've got a bridge scripture there that I want you to read this next week. It's 1 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 13. And basically, this is what it's saying, okay? Paul is talking to the Christians there, and he's saying to them this. You guys are all Christians, but you've got to be sensitive to the ones that are younger than you are in the faith because you have great influence on them and you don't even know it. And here's what was going on. Back in that Bible day, those younger Christians were becoming Christians, but they had come out of some pretty serious idolatry worship. They were worshiping the idols. And with it were certain meat they couldn't eat because they were sacrificed to, they were using it for sacrifices for the idols. But the mature Christians, they didn't have a rule against that. They were mature in Christ. They realized that that food, that they were, what was happening all there and stuff, that was a bunch of bogus stuff. And it didn't matter what meat you ate and everything. So they would have gatherings, they'd have things, and then all these young Christians would be with the older Christians, and they would have this meat out there. And the younger Christians would recognize that that was meat that was sacrificed to the idols, and it was and it was meat that would bring back mad, bad memories to them. It was meat that, that of their of when they worshipped idols. Okay, and so it would, and they're they're confused. They're going, hey, you know. And Paul is saying, look, it's better for us to be sensitive to what they're doing and who they are. Okay, than it is for us just to practice our freedom in Christ. So there are three key words here that I want to bring up to you because it's becoming like a child but it's also making sure that we're not a stumbling block. And the thing about it is, is we all live by our convictions, and they're all different levels of stumbling blocks and things. But, but there are three key things we have to be careful of. The first word there would be knowledge. What's so awesome about walking with Christ is that we grow in knowledge. As this word gets into us, we become so free and we start to understand that our lives breathe this scripture. We trace our lives through this scripture, and we grow, grow, grow in knowledge. But a lot of times, we grow in the knowledge to the point that we live by the, I don't care what anybody else thinks because I'm a Christian. And, I, and as long as God is cool with who I am, then it doesn't really matter about that. I had to deal with that with a college student. He's got tons of knowledge but doesn't live like it in certain ways and doesn't really care, see? And, you know, just had to have a Jesus meeting with him about that and ask him about that, you know, because he's an adult. But anyway, so as we grow in this knowledge, the second word is the word love. You grow in knowledge, but you grow in love also. And you start to understand that in that love the love tempers the knowledge, and the knowledge tempers the love to the fact that we have this awareness around us of what's happening, 
you know, and, and, and who's around us and the younger Christians that are watching who we are and what we are and how we live because they're growing. You can't force feed young Christians, okay, and you can't be too haughty with the knowledge you have about God. They're growing at the pace that God is growing them at, okay, and, and God's growing you at the pace that he's got you at, and you've got to be sensitive to how you're affecting them. So you balance knowledge with love. And then the third thing, both of those grow a conscience. Let me, let me give you an illustration real quick about this. The knowledge and the love grow your conscience. And that's how you allow your mind and your heart to understand whether you're a stumbling block. Now, let me illustrate this. When Sarah was a little girl, um, I introduced her to Star Wars movies. I couldn't wait. She was like seven. And we watched it, and as we started watching, I started noticing old Ben Kenobi over there when he gets, you know, have you all seen Star Wars? You know, Ben Kenobi dies in that one. Okay. So um, I didn't want to give anything away. So, so anyway, Darth Vader's fighting with Ben Kenobi. That's 1977. And, and, and Ben Kenobi, um, you know, and as I'm watching that with my seven-year-old Sarah, I'm going, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. So I start explaining it. I start saying there's a trap door. He falls through it. It's not real. No, nothing's happening there. So all she's hearing is, that's all she's hearing. You know what I'm saying? And her eyes are getting this big. And I'm going, oh, my goodness. So sure enough, 12 midnight, she comes knocking at the door, and there she is. She's scared. She can't go to sleep. All the knowledge in the world is not going to tell her that Darth is fake. It's all fake. Remember the trap door? Remember all of that? So what do I do? I love her through it. See, that's a good illustration of what I'm talking about. So I love her through it. I tell her I'm right there next to her. And I sit there till she goes to sleep. Or I tell her her little Snoopy's right there and her little um, Winnie the Pooh's right there. I told her Jesus was there. That didn't help. Okay? <laughs> Same thing happened with Noah. Same thing happened. He saw a film at a kid's house, Coraline or something. Ugh, why? And he couldn't go to sleep. So I said, buddy, I'm with you, man. I'm right next door to you. I said, and Jesus is right here. And his eyes lit up. He went, that's right. And I said, if all else fails, the Bible is sitting right here. And he went, that's right. You know? Now, I could tell him all the knowledge of how fake it was, but it didn't matter. Because he was a younger Christian. He's a younger person. And you know what he did? He grabbed the Bible and hugged it. And he was out in two seconds. And he hugged the Bible and went to sleep all night long. See? How do you get in? Who's the greatest in the kingdom? Jesus said, you've got to change and become like a child. Okay? You've got to, you've got to be unassuming about how God's working in your life. Okay? You've got to trust. You've got to depend in a way a child would do it. Okay? You've got to be a stepping stone, not a stumbling block. And you do that. By balancing the growth of the knowledge you get from God through the scriptures with the love God gives you with the, for the conscience that you have wrapped into one so you don't allow other young, mature, young believers to stumble, okay? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for the disciples' example of how Jesus had to teach them in a real way what the kingdom is all about. May we be faithful to our, in our dependence of you and our trust of you and in, in, in our assumptions of how you work, God. You are a big God, and you've got every, 
every minute of our life in your hands. Help us, God, not to be stumbling blocks. We love you and we give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen.